0: So there's a there's a Zen story that starts like this. So Yangshan, uh, famous um, Tang Dynasty teacher, was talking to a monk, and he says, "Hey, where are you from?" And you know, let's be clear that a lot of Zen stories ask, start with questions like that, right? But he says, "Where are you from?" And uh, the monk says. I'm from from Yu Province, and I'm I i do not know where Yu province is. Somebody might, but um in any case. The and Yangshan doesn't stop there. He says, So, do you think about it? About that place? And um the monk says, I always think of it, which is really kinda awesome, right? It's a, the, in the commentaries in the in the Book of Serenity where this case is, it says, <laughs> um it says an honest answer, and then it says he should repent. <laughs> because you know, if you think about it, right, and you know, um, the place where you you're from that you you know grew up or in some ways were planted, right? Um has a particular significance and in some ways you know everybody's different but um, there's an there's a sense in which memories of that place are likely to be powerful compelling significant uh, vibrant you know etc all right and and show up a lot because they the your early experience is kind of has a has the the function of a determinant, right? It it uh, it has it says a lot about or determines a lot about um, your present experience, even when you get kind of old. Actually, <laughs> I can say <laughs> I can I can safely and definitively say <laughs> so. Um, he says that, and which is a, you know kind of great honest answer. Sometimes the monk you know fails the test on the, on the first word out of their mouth. But Yangshan um, uh, goes on, and he says, "Okay, so the mind is the thinker, right? And the the object of thought." Is the environment, and so you've got, um, you, know, he, you know, he said things like trees, buildings, roads. And I was thinking like chickens, fish, you know, and, and uh, um, the flights of birds, and and so on. And and it's and not only that, but let's let's um, let's stretch it out, right? As we've all just been sitting here bathing in, right? What comes along with that, in addition, is um you know the sentient, the sensation in your upper thigh presenting itself is in um, in your mind because of something about the sensation that seems to be um significant right um and the sound of a car, a peculiar car out there driving around um, and you know et cetera, so those things and um not only just images and and memories of you know trees buildings roads chickens but also um stories about them right um this this th- there's all this you could call it um you could call it objective reality. Uh, it, we You build a model in your mind for objective reality out of memory, right, The in the in the scheme I, um, cooked up by the, that I mentioned earlier, cooked up by the in the sort of last few centuries before the Common Era that's the foundation for a lot of later Buddhist thought and and also a, a tremendous amount of debate. Um, uh, they call the you know so the scheme contains uh, the world of form, the realm of, of sensation, the realm of perception, the realm of mental formation, and the realm of consciousness. Um, and so the, and those are called the skandhas, and they're they're considered the the roots and kind of trunks of experience, right? It's as though experience is a forest and it's a kind of mangrove-y forest in which the roots are all tangled together and the trunks are all you you can't really see the forest for the roots and trunks right um and you can turn it upside down and it looks pretty much the same as it did when you uh when you when you held it upright right um and embedded in there is a thing. Called, that they called the storehouse consciousness, and it's called alaya vijñana, I think, or something like that in Sanskrit. And the idea there is that the the mental formations portion of of that is a heavy user of memory, right? Uh, uh, and every everybody can watch this happen, right? Like sit for a while and. Pay attention to what's going on, and then watch a perception arise in your mind. Right? Uh, you have to be watching carefully enough to actually notice it. But when you notice it, it this thing happens where um, the sensation arises in, into your in, into as a perception, as a, as a thing to which. You're paying attention and pretty much automatically and seemingly simultaneously, but it's actually not simultaneous there's this kind of um, there's this little teeny delay and then a kind of a flood of mental formation that follows it that includes things like um, you know well I, I think I've talked about this before, but for some reason for me, whenever I hear a bird um, Chirping, I see a cartoon. <laughs> it's just me. But in any case, um, I see a cartoon of a bird going chirp, <laughs> um, and with with a car, I, I I see a vague image of some portion of a car like rolling, right, and there's something. You know. But in any case, what are these? What is this? It, it's a it's a Associative patterned memory that has explanatory power, and also, more significantly, gives rise to um, to patterned responses, suggestions of patterned response um, in situations where a response is called for. Besides just explanation, right? When when you're sitting here. Um, on a on a zafu in a in a nice room with tatami floor, and you hear a car. Very little additional action is called for when you're when you're walking around out in the street and you hear a car. Um, the situation is quite different, right? The 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 perception the sensation arises and the perception arises in, into your into your consciousness. With a with a very different level of excitation and and the mental formations that arise around it are quite different, like um, ah! <laughs> or or something like that, right? Um, but in any case, it's, it, so so the alaya vijñana is a it's not a it's it's not a simple object, and it takes context into account and everything else, right? Um, but in any case, um, you know that's kind of what we're stuck with, right? Um, and and he says, okay, so so there you go. You have the you have the the object of mind, right? Um, you have the object of your. Th- of your thoughts, or so you have the environment expressed, modeled as a collection of objects of thought. Right um, now, he says, turn your attention to the to the thinker, to the observer, or the you know, thinker is better. Right, the one that's that's the the one that's constructing this. Right, what do you see there? And. This that particular injunction has a long history in Buddhism. Now, people have said it early in early Buddhism, and Dogen famously in his Fukanza Zengi says, um, take the learn to take the backward step that turns the light inwardly and illuminates the self. Right? So it's it's the same request, right? It, um, and, and Dogen says as though it we're like falling off a log, he says. And you know, body and mind of themselves will drop away, and your original face will be manifest. And he says, if if you want to to achieve soft, suchness, right, this sort of sense of 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 ungarnished, unloaded, spacious reality, right, um, then you just you should just practice it without delay. <laughs> you know. Nice, um, and the monk says, "You know, when I do that," when he says, "When I get here," in the in the original Chinese, but he's basically saying, "When I do that, there's kind of nothing there," right? and um, that. Mirrors this ancient story about Bodhidharma and his first student Huike, right? So they have an encounter that inc- involves a lot of really weird stuff, like Huike cutting off his arm and other things like that. But in any case, near the end of the encounter, um, after when when Bodhidharma finally agrees to take on Huike as a student, he um, uh, Huike says my mind is not at peace. And, and Bodhidharma says, okay, bring out your mind, go sit down, you know, meditate, bring out your mind, and then we'll have a look. And And Huiki uh, goes and he sits for a while, and then he, he's, he gets up and he comes over and says, master, when I do that, I can't find anything. And, uh, and Bodhidharma says, see, I've pacified your mind for you. And uh, you know all that's fine, and that that's you know, Bodhidharma was was kind of like that, right? Um, To the extent that he was like anything, but um, but Yangshan says something very different, and something that that points at a really significant fact about Zen practice. And what he says is, that's okay for the position of faith. Sometimes it's translated as the stage of faith, but i'll I'll explain why um, I say position in in a bit he says but it's it's not enough for the position of personhood right um, So the reason I use position is because essentially the word that's used um, for stage in that when you look it up in the original is this word way, which is which essentially means position or rank, and it actually kind of has to do with social rank, right, or or position in an organization or a company or something like that, and, or, or a status hierarchy. And it's famously part of uh, this, this poem and scheme that was invented by Dongshan, who's one of the founders of this Zen school, um, called The Five Ranks, which is about the relationship between the relationship in the in the context of a life of practice between the mind of, um, between the the kind of mode of um, uh, self construction and the mode that models the world and place, places the self in the middle of it—the thing that we're talking about, right—and the, the the mode that's not like that, the mode that that just allows for unloaded, spacious attention and and, and engagement, right. Um, and in the five ranks the, he, he's, he's trying to it's a very cryptic poem but he's trying to sort of explicate the relationship at various stages in a life of practice and, and so in some ways Yangshan is referring to the, the first and the last stage the stage of faith the, the rank of faith the position of faith is the first one and the and the the position of personhood is the last one the you know, it's full, sort of full personhood in the in the um in the last the last verse of the five ranks dungshan says in the end you just come home and you sit by the fire <laughs> that's the that's the um that's you know the stage of full personhood basically um you're not there's nothing to struggle with anymore. He says if you're not attached to to is or is not or yes or no, no one can even touch you. So just go home and sit by the
1: fire.
0: <laughs> Which is kinda nice. Um but in any case, so so that's what that's what Yangshan says. And and the monk kinda doesn't get it and, and he says, um, do you have some other way of explaining this? And and uh and Yangshan says, to say that I have a, I have a way of explaining it or not is not exactly right. Um, he says, in view of your insight, you have one mystery. Um, he says, you can, you can sit down and you can put on a robe and, and look for yourself. That's what he says. Right. Um, So what is all that, right? I, I think what it's pointing at is that the fundamental request of, of Zen practice is to completely be the person that you are, right? Is as thoroughly and un and, and unreservedly as possible, right? Um, and And it's interesting, I remember years ago when I first started studying koans, I was studying with Norman Fisher at Tassajara. And and he said, you know, the thing about the koan literature is it's kind of unique um, in all the religious literatures of the world, and in some ways the philosophical literatures of the world, in that... It makes a big deal out of the personalities of the principals, of the f- famous teachers, and the you know the students that say amazing things and stuff like that. It re- and and it's not just that it makes a big deal in this in the stories. You know, like we have a story now about Yangshan where he's showing a particular style or something like that. But but the commentaries are always commenting on it. Look, see how men does this. Look, see how Yangshan does this. Right. Um, and and they they make a big deal about about the specifics of their style personality approach et cetera, et cetera. and they make it clear that they're all different right um so um you know so what it means to 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 you know unreservedly in uh express your 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 personhood right involves um well the i guess you could argue that the um the model for it is the um the, you know four great bodhisattvas I've probably already talked about this, but you know there um you can see some of them in here um you know Manjushri, who's the bodhisattva of great wisdom. Uh, Avalokiteshvara, who's the bodhisattva of great compassion. Samantabhadra, who's the body of the bodhisattva of great activity. And and there's another one uh, who doesn't show up as often, but uh, Jizo um, in in Japanese. He has a um, I think he's called Shtigarba in uh, um, in Sanskrit. Um, he or she. Who is the the bodhisattva of kind of continuous, un, unstinting, unyielding practice, right? And and so you take them all together, and 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 it means you know. So when so we're all sitting here, over and over again, entering the moment, right? So over and over again, what you do is you enter the moment, and in that moment, the the model is to bring your your inner world the this the model that you're carrying around up against the world that you take in right and and hold the the your your schemes and and categories and everything around that model as lightly as possible so that as much of the information that's coming in from the outside can register, right, and bring up a mind that's both compassionate of self and other, and deeply curious about all of it. And from that confluence, allow the your response to arise. Right. That's that's the model. And you and and Jesus says you just do it continuously from now until. The heat death of the universe, basically, um, and what the what, what Yangshan says at the end points out that that everyone's path through this will be different, but Buddhism has always claimed these kind of universals that transcend you know culture time place and and so on and and are accessible and demonstrable through practice right and that's a that's a that's a large claim but but the the consensus among practitioners is that Oddly, that's true, right? That that we experience these things where, when you do your best at at describing them to each other, there's a resonance, right? Yeah, I've, this, that is that's true for me, right? Amazing, and and not only in a context like this where we're all you know grew up in the same you know in similar. Um, Economic and technological environments, and so on. But but you read, you can read a, um, a story written, you know, 1,300 years ago, um, where somebody says something that's so like poetically powerful and significant that that you go, yeah, exactly. Right? It's amazing to see that. Doesn't happen super often, but it happens enough so that um, it seems true. So, what time is it? Wow. It's on the dot eight (laughs) (laughs) o'clock. So, First of all, I guess, does anybody have any questions about all of that? Either about or observations about it what happened while we were sitting and, and you were looking at your mind or whatever. So I have a question about the instructor about turning one's attention to yeah. oneself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so so that's a real that's a really excellent observation, right? So, um, you know, you will not be surprised to hear that you're not the only person that's experienced that friction, <laughs> and and you know that's that in some ways that's um, I've talked about this before, I think, but that's the that's the essential message of Suzuki Roshi's Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, right? Is that the the Exercise in zazen is to work exactly in the space that that friction arises between um, intention, attention, could, um, the impulse to control, and and the impulse to uh, um, you know to grasp af- after and kind of um, understand in the conventional sense, right? and it's not it's not easy to do right um and and you know it, my my guess is that it wasn't easy to do for the monk in the case either the yangshan said well you know just pay attention to your your the, your thinking mind or huike too right just pay attention to your your thinking mind what's there and and You get, and you get kind of a get hints of it, and then you kind of stomp all over them, right? Basically, um, with with um, the part of you that wants to tell the story of the self, that you know wants to know what's going on, that wants to grab a hold, and all the rest, that sort of thing. So that's, a, you know, back when I was talking about the um, about the. Fundamental proposition of Buddhism being fully express you know, your your personhood, the other part of that is don't cling <laughs> um, so 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 my sense is that that the that pretty much the whole rubric of Zen monastic practice and lay practice is Intended to bring that particular dynamic into focus and and Have the practitioner work with it until something breaks loose Um, and That happens Pretty regularly actually and eventually it, um, It that, that dynamic loosens up and it becomes a lot easier to just move seamlessly between attending to one and attending to the other, in my experience. Does that help, or what do you think? It does help. To be very specific like my experience, Yeah. Like if I put my attention sort of in my headspace, where like I sort of did what you did, like I deduced that I think that I come out of my headspace. Yeah. yeah absolutely that's right yeah yeah i i think so so i think the the general consensus <laughs> in the world of Zen practitioners is that that the 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 baseline of this sort of other mode of engagement is um is kind of unconditioned appreciation, and when things are all excited, it's kind of delight, right, or something like that, right, um, and and a kind of relaxed, spacious, um, yeah, yeah, kind of, sort of relaxed, spacious engagement, and one of the reasons is that the thing that's, that the the part of us that stirs the pot emotionally is, the, is this other mode, right? Because basically it has, um, it has, it brings up categorical thinking, self-construction, self-narration, and all of that stuff is, is underscored by emotional constructs that we carry with us and, and use mostly as, let's be clear, evaluative tools to design our course of action. Right? That's sort of how it works. You're 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 traversing a giant tree of possibilities and what's what's what underlies the decision making in that is whether the node you're going to feels good or feels bad, <laughs> basically. Right. And the this other mode doesn't really isn't really so tied up with that. Right. And so it can feel relaxed, spacious, and yeah, yeah, full of ease. And 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 it's not just me saying that. That's that's that essentially is the is the scheme in the five ranks. I don't know if you've read that, but um, he he names he. Uh, Dongshan pulls up these two words out of out of like vernacular, the vernacular Chinese of the day. Um, that mean crooked and straight, and it, they really are the words where if you have a picture on the wall and it's crooked, you say, hey, that's crooked, and you, and you straighten it out and, and, and the person says, okay, now it's straight, right, and it also means, the straight one also means kind of upright, and, and the, the crooked one also kind of means leaning or something like that, right, and so, so he takes those words and he uses them to apply to these two modes, right? And, um, and you can sort of see how that that would be, right? The, the crooked also, I think, implies distorted by things like self-concern and so on and so forth. And the other one is just not involved with that stuff, right? Um, and it turns out that they are both simultaneously operating, but because of our preoccupations, we don't really notice the, straight mode as much initially. And that's what that's one of the things that Zazen is for. Okay. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah, that helps a lot, I think. But I'm definitely two steps ahead of where I was before and <laughs> I like the multiple mode. So. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so you and then you go ahead. Um, I think like when I sort of think about my sort of inner life. Yeah. yeah: and sort of the direct experience of our environment. Yeah, I right, yeah. I mean, I think the the developing consensus in the world of cognitive psychology is that that, again, that emotions are kind of these constructs. we We learn how to enact them by observing um, they, they have a physiological basis, but for the most part. We learn how to enact them and when to enact them th- through observing um our 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 parents our family our peers and 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 everybody else right you know and and so so that 's one of the things that comes out of our storehouse when a situation presents itself the the you know <laughs> The 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 messy house, <laughs> the the thoughts that go with messy house, the, um, the 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 impulse to the impulse to clean that's driven by one set of possibilities, the the anxiety that's driven by another. Right? I mean, that's really the, that's really the 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 middle the middle of the operation of that. That mode our our mode of self-construction self narration and um, plan, you know it also includes planning and and execution and and imagining the future you know in a positive light, imagining the future in a negative light and and so on and so forth and honestly that's where we where we live our lives a lot of the time in my sense I mean so as someone who's raised. A few kids, my sense is that 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 thing has the strongest grip right after it's built, like you know maybe in the oh thank you the um you know like when you're twelve, it's really holding on right and and uh and and then you know adolescence happens, and then after a while you're like this is really tiring me out and anyway maybe there's more going on than i thought but but i think in any case that's the middle of that story right and the the way that this other mode appears initially is kind of at the fringes when things settle down or when when something grabs your attention that's that's out of the ordinary right that often things the people say i feel connected more connected to it when i am in nature yeah exactly because the everyday um the everyday hurdles are somehow further away in a in an environment like that right um the the and as I was saying earlier, the emotional baseline of this other mode of the up you know the upright not not crooked mode the straight mode is um substantially different and it and it it at its basis it has a kind of settled appreciative quality that's capable of Coexisting even with with difficult, strong emotions, and kind of helping to soften them up, basically. Does that does that make sense, or did that? Okay, all right. And then you had a question. Yeah, it
1: was along the same vein of that sort of difference between the, the two modes of yeah. like personhood and I guess self, right? Like right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. You yeah. know, I don't know. I was listening to. I mean, but I was listening to a podcast earlier that was talking about sort of the same thing of yeah. like no self. And when we reach that thing, the difference between like, I guess, the Western conception of like nothingness being this very, or emptiness being this very like bad thing that mm-hmm. feels, you know, negative. Whereas in Buddhism, you know, emptiness can be a very, you know, powerful thing that we not necessarily strive for, but can be a goal for, you know, a space that is. I don't know. I guess <laughs> I sometimes struggle with these words and finding Yeah, totally. Them and, of okay, course, yeah. personhood, self, yeah. no yeah. self where, you know, when I'm actually meditating and feeling something and reaching for, you know, what direction can I ground myself in to sort of notice, okay, this feels less tight, less grasping.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean I would say I would say this, right? It is the first of all, the language around it is very hard. And second of all, um, Nagarjuna made it harder by by identifying the word by picking a word that could be translated as, as emptiness, but also was used as a as a as a label for a particular kind of meditative absorption. Right. so he he really he kind of really you know messed it up right at the beginning right. but yeah exactly the 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 um what's usually meant by emptiness in a in, in a Mahayana Buddhist context is something like um, the the kind of interdependent co-arising and generative nature of of reality itself which is ungraspable to us generally but which expresses itself through us and which we can stand close to and we we stand close to it better when our our um, when when our mode of self-construction and you know so the often the experience for lots of people I don 't know for everybody but for the the experience of the difference between being really tangled up in thinking and being being aware in this way that we're talking about um, can feel like like thinking thinking and everyday cognition sort of conventional cognition has this kind of gravity that holds the attention and doesn't really let in anything else but the Thoughts and emotions that that we're kind of wrangling with, right? Or v- lets in very little, right? Um, and whereas when that opens up, all of a sudden the world comes into view, right? It's 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 it's, it's a much bigger world, and it has um, and and you can you can feel the way it's it's essentially rising together in this connected manner, even if you can't grasp it, right? So anyway. Something so like then, that. thoughts too are empty, like rising That's right. No, that's down. exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's just that that when they're the center of our attention, it's very difficult to see that. Right? When they're when they're not the center of our attention, actually, it's quite possible. Again, because these both both of these modes are operating at the same time. Um, when when they're when they're not the center of attention. We can have a completely different relationship with our thoughts and our emotions. It's kind of amazing, actually. I mean, so it it can it can range from, in in my experience, you know, the world is a vast, spacious, resonating, light-filled space, and my my conventional cognition is like, <laughs> like floating around, or it's like it's like standing in a in a maybe I've already used this metaphor standing in a in a, a in an empty ice rink at midnight with all the lights on, and there's a very small group of people that are walking around doing something right um, and having a and every now and again they come close, you can sort of hear what they say, but basically um, basically they're they're just one of the many things that are going on in the world right and that's so that's that's one set of relationships but 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 also you can be right up close with with it and and really appreciate the power of the emotions and and the thoughts without being swamped by it right um, and both of those are possible right um, and and kind of. You know, beautiful, basically and and that's that's the the gateway to fully expressing your personhood, basically, yeah um, because because if the Buddha had said, "Life is suffering, and suffering arises from grasping an aversion, and I, there's a there's a way out, and it's just don't feel anything anymore <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Hopefully, everybody would have just got up and gone. Nah, that would be the end of it. But fortunately, he didn't do that. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Uh, Thank you for this talk. It was very
1: thought-provoking. I had heard a teacher once talk, how to take some of this uh, straight area further. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Who knows what that is Yeah. Why why does it have to be a whole Yeah. Um, and so that gets pretty wacky pretty quickly, and then you're sort of like just really living in uh very abstract kind of way. Um uh, and so how does that does that kind of teaching
0: kind of jive with this? Yeah, of course. I mean basically my well, okay, do you oh, just gonna say yeah, yeah. Also, how does that, that, going that far into straight, so to speak, yeah. how, how does that relate to enacting oneself? Because yeah. it's like, what does it Yeah. Well, so, so... My experience with that is this. Yes, absolutely, there are experiences that completely take apart the the all the boundaries that you thought were were there and all the categories that you thought were there and so on and so forth right um my experience is that it's um hard to hard to live everyday life that way right and that that the the fact that those experiences exist and actually happen in in your body and mind um, is a is a is a constant reminder that that there's more to being human than we could possibly imagine. But when you're down at Trader Joe's buying. Um, uh, Broccoli and 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 frozen mangoes. Um, you probably need to be able to tell the difference between broccoli and frozen mangoes, right? And so so th- so it, so the the general rubric is that your your attention can wander one way and the other, depending on with without obstruction, depending on what the opportunity is, and sometimes it goes way out there, right? And and that's completely great, right? Um, I mean, I, I, so, um, you know, about a year and a half ago or something like that, stop me if you've heard this one, but uh, I was walking on Mount Tam and I was on the west side of the mountain and the, the trail, the main trail on the west side goes, it's on, on these grassy headlands, but it dives into these little tiny pocket-sized forests. Um, everywhere there's a there's a, a creek or something like that, right? And so um, I walked into one of these forests and, you know, I was paying pretty decent attention and the, the entire forest, in fact, I, I heard some of these today too. I was walking in a different place on the mountain today. The inf- entire forest was full with literally hundreds of these little tiny birds that whose whose call to each other is like, and it's just, it's this really sharp tick, right? And so the entire forest was like making these sounds, and they were they were really. What happened was that it it all of a sudden this picture of the space appeared in my in my mind and it was in my body right it's it was amazing it was really an experience right it totally and completely knocked me out and and i and it lasted for some period of time and then then i sort of you know came back from being completely stretched out and 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 you know spread out through the trees and so on and so forth and I was like, okay, time to keep walking. Right? But, but, you know, that's amazing. It's really great. Right? It just shows that that we have more going on than any of us really thought. Right. Um, the other example of that is um, you ever read Rilke, the poet? Yeah, so, you know, I remember Paul, my teacher, used to read a lot of Rilke, and he would say. Initially, he would say, "You know, I picked up this poem by Rilke, and I'm reading this poem, and I'm thinking, how the hell does he know that? He probably never sat a single minute of Zaza in his entire life, right? And um, he, you know, he has this poem about." About you know, like facing a tree and really just seeing the tree in a way that you know like normally we we see a tree and we think tree, and we have a tree cartoon in our head, and we kind of we kind of uh you know make the categorization and then we drop it, and we ignore the tree right and so he has a he's saying, no, no, you can really like you know take in the tree and and take in the space between you and the tree in this way that's like it's like you know powerfully significantly different than normal and than the usual and 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 then so paul did a bunch of research and he discovered that actually rilke was um he signed up to be rodin's assistant and rodin was and he said and the reason i want to be your assistant is i want to learn how to be an artist and rodin would send him out and say okay here's what you should do and go out in the city somewhere, find an object and look at it without flinching for an hour. Right? <laughs> and he kind of, you know, he kind of trained him basically. And and so and then so and and so he learned how to write this poetry that was like transcendently such, right? Really good. So anyway, that sort of thing.